0: We're going to change gears now and take a look at uh, this issue completely different. And it follows off the warning that we had last week. Uh, This is from the U.S. about a potential terror threat. This is uh, targeted towards citizens in the Santon precinct. And uh, subsequent to that, we saw the responses by government, uh, lots of... uh, can we say it was anger? I I don't know. Anger might be too strong, but uh, certainly government dissatisfied with the way that uh, it felt the U.S. embassy and uh, had communicated this message and uh, has gone on to publicly say that you know internal protocols had not been uh, followed. There is a lot of debate around whether or not that would have been the case. But on record, the South African government basically saying that it has been caught off guard by that warning. It saw, however, the increase of police, particularly in the Santan district and also at some of the other big gatherings that we had over the weekend. Now, what does this mean? for diplomatic relationships between the two countries going forward. And I also want us to look at some of the long-term risks then that South Africa does need to respond to when it comes to threats over its own security. Professor John Stremlau is an Associate Director of International Relations at the Rockefeller Foundation. Uh, Professor Stremlau, good morning to you.
1: Good morning. I'm not affiliated with the Rockefeller Foundation anymore. That was how uh, oh, I got involved in South Africa back in the 1970s, by the way. Oh, but geez. Uh, I, I'm an honorary professor at this University, and that's all, because I'm retired, basically. But uh, it's nice to be on, uh, Kathy, and thank you for having me. Uh,
0: professor Strimmel, I'm so sorry for that. Apologies, and thanks for that that's correction. Okay. Yeah, uh, Ryan Cummings, security risk expert and director at <laughs> uh, Signal Risk. Ryan, good morning to you.
2: Hi, Kathy. And hi, Professor. Um, Good to be on the show.
0: I think a good place for us to start is, I suppose being here on Monday gives us the opportunity to really reflect with a bit more hindsight to all of the events that played out leading to the weekend and also what we saw over the weekend in as far as government's own response. Uh, Professor Strimler, your impressions over what is happening now that we've got a lot more, at least that has unfolded in the public space, a lot more comments that have been made?
1: Well, I'm very glad you've got a security expert on, uh, and Ryan I will defer to on the actual threat, uh, if there, if he has any insights into the nature of that. I would only speak for briefly for on the uh, p- politics of, of this situation. And and I, I start by saying that, thank God, uh, there was no event occurring that would disrupt Joburg Pride March uh, uh, over the weekend and that's to the good. If I was a terrorist, I would consider it a win in a sense because uh, the, the terrorism is, is and this is Ryan's field is, is uh, a surprise and and crying wolf uh, sometimes uh, inures people to uh, allow the terrorists more flexibility but on the political front uh, Cyril Ramaphosa is in a very tight political situation who's got a he's got a uh, uh a Nazareth conference a national congress coming up in december the last thing he wants to do is to be perceived as being bullied by the united states joe biden meanwhile even more immediately has a very very close and critical congressional election coming up in a week and the last thing he wants is to not have forewarned of a danger and then should something happen he would be held accountable, at least at the margins, in a very close election. So I see these in political terms. Uh, the, the, The amount of consultation which went on at the lower levels is something I can't really speak to. But I can say that certainly in the last few months, there have been very encouraging signs that the Americans and the South Africans understand each other's Democratic problems. Wendy Sherman, the Deputy, uh, Deputy Secretary of State, was here in, in May. Uh, uh, Anthony Blinken was here in uh, August. And then we had a very good, by all accounts, uh, uh, on both sides, uh, conversation between Joe Biden and uh, Cyril Ramaphosa in, in, uh, in Washington in September. So I think that Ned Price, the spokesman for the State Department, was right in saying that we consult, the Americans and the South Africans consult um, regularly uh, and uh, see each other as important partners, but they do have political uh, imperatives which may diverge, and I think that's worth keeping in mind.
0: Just on that note, Professor Stremler, I-, I-, I listened quite carefully to what um the president and also the the deputy state security minister had to say one certainly got the sense that even though there was dissatisfaction with the way in which the the message had been um communicated there was a level of of constraint in the way in which um the south african government spoke about what uh, you know america had done effectively so as in they, they 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 seemed to not want to go too far in the way in which they were either criticizing what had happened uh, i found it quite measured the tone they were speaking in
1: You're absolutely right, and I don't think I can add very much to that. I think you're absolutely right, Uh, and and it was uh, a focus on the uh, U.S. embassy here and not elevated to anything personal. There was no indictment of Joe Biden personally, uh, as as often is the case with regard to Vladimir Putin, for example, uh, in the U.S. condemnation. And uh, there was an effort to to, to contain this on both sides. And I think that's healthy. Uh, It's it's natural with two democracies that have complex relations.
0: Do you think that that has to do particularly with this issue of relations that you began this conversation touching on, that this is clearly a relationship that South Africa respects and despite feeling that they've been done wrong, uh, would very much perhaps want to leave that to what will unfold behind the scenes?
1: Sure. But it's on the big issue of Ukraine. It's not going to be, be different. They, both sides have, have been very careful not to let this be uh, a deal breaker for their other bilateral relations in public health and in, in trade and investment and in, pol- in, in political relations. Mm. And I think the, it's in South Africa's interest not to see Donald Trump get reelected. And it's in, certainly in Joe Biden's interest. And similarly here. Uh, the RET faction, uh, or, or, or or Julius Malema, would not suit America's aspirations for a democratic South Africa. Uh, so we'll we'll see. I'm 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 just speculating here politically, but are, there are forces that are symptomatic of the complexity of relations between two democracies. Xi Jinping in China is is pretty easy to deal with. He's full of secrets, but no mystery. <laughs> but, but but democracies are very mysterious mm-hmm. creatures.
0: Mm-hmm. Ryan, it's very difficult, especially you know, I think for us as as ordinary members of of the public to, to try and make sense of you know the 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 amount of responsibility that comes with. A, a, a US a, a terror warning rather of, of the nature that the US issued last week, the responses that we saw from government and what that practically means behind the scenes. Because yes, now, thankfully nothing has happened. Um, but of course, people will be asking themselves, but was, did it not happen because there was counter surveillance that came into play? Was it a foiled plot? There's just so many questions over... How some of these things are man, are managed or even handled, that we as as members of the public are not privy to.
2: Oh, absolutely and I think that that is the nature of intelligence at the end of the day you know is that uh, individuals and agencies that are absolutely responsible you know for collecting intelligence and responding to these threats you know they they, they operate in in, in quite in, in the shadows let's put it this way and it's very difficult to discern even as a security um, analyst myself to know exactly what that prompts the issuance of these advisories, and specifically, what the coordination is, you know, on a intergovernment level, you know, between the United States agencies and these, um, you know, from a security and intelligence perspective. You know, my understanding is that if the United States, um, you know, whether it's the embassy or the U.S. State Department, identifies a specific threat that could um, place American citizens and their interests um, at a discernible threat within. In- jurisdiction, um, that there is some obligation, you know, for the U.S. government to, um, you know, make make public um, that threat so that the citizens are aware of, of, of the threat in, in, uh, in question and can respond um, accordingly. Um, the, the big issue, and I'll just speak to this from a more practical perspective, is that South Africa doesn't have a, an established advisory service in terms of, you know, where they are actually a an agency or a governmental department that specifically relays um, you know, threat advisories um, to the South African public and also to foreign in- um, present in South Africa at this time. Um, so that is something that we need to be cognizant of um, and, and why the United States government, you know, in, in this um, instance uh, you know, took it upon themselves to to make explicit that there was a, a potential threat um, and that you know individuals needed to be aware of this um, and and respond um, accordingly. And secondly, I think we also need to realise that this is not the first time that there's been a a little bit of a, of a fracas, if I can call it that, um, around the issue of security advisories. Um, in 2016, if I'm not mistaken, the U.S. Embassy specifically issued a very similar warning um, about an elevated threat of Terrorism against shopping centres in South Africa. The response by the government was exactly the same. You know, there was kind of uh, initial belligerence, if I can call it that. You know, to the message stating that you know South African intelligence agencies didn't have you know any um, specific detail regarding a, a threat or a terrorism threat in the country. But then there was also kind of, well, you know, wanting to go ahead and increase security. You know, just as a, a as, as a bit of a proactive measure. Um, and while this does Kind of create some bilateral tensions. Uh, I would almost, uh, you know, reiterate, um, you know, the professor's um, remarks in this regard that there's there's quite significant collaboration um, between South Africa and the United States and and not just on the diplomatic or economic front, but also on the security front. There has been a few uh, terrorism plots um, in South Africa that has been uncovered in in recent years and we do know that I think some synergies between um, South Africa and the United States, you know, respective security agencies. So, so that does suggest that you know, while there might be um, a little bit of um, incongruency in terms of messaging, you know, from a more practical perspective, there is definitely cooperation and collaboration taking place.
0: Ryan there was an issue of transparency that has been raised and and you you know you touched a little bit on it that even you as a security analyst may find it hard to really fully piece all of the uh, p- p- put together all of the pieces of this puzzle um, because there's just information that you yourself are not privy to where do we locate these calls for the US embassy should substantiate these threats these warnings with providing the evidence because that just didn't just come out of 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 government but it came even out of several other uh, players who who are watching this unfold and say but you know what 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 is the credibility of this information
2: Yeah, well, firstly, (laughs) you know, I I wouldn't want to, uh, you know, posture myself as being a, um, you know, spokesman for the U.S. government um, by any means, Um, but I I, I would question kind of, you know, the supposition that people may have that this intelligence that the U.S. is responding to is not credible to begin with. Um, I think that the information by foreign governments, you know, when they're issuing issues, it's not just the United States that does it, you know. Kingdoms, uh, Foreign and Commonwealth Office issue similar advisories. We have the DFAT in Australia. Um, you know, Canada has has its own agency as well, and I think that there are significant sensitivities in terms of when to issue these security messages because they do political and economic ramifications. I mean, you know, Santon, for example, is the economic epicenter of South Africa and any, you know, advisory that's issued, you know, for this region, you know, can have significant economic implications, you know, at a time that South Africa cannot afford, you know, to really have any other issues or factors, you know, encumber our economic trajectory. So I think in this regard, you know, it's not that the United States government are issuing these advisories willingly. You know, I think that there is, on their part, you know, some form of process and again something that I cannot you know kind of specifically comment on but you know that there is a threat that is mentioned and that there is some process that is undertaken um, you know according to internal an internal rubric if I can call it that that discerns whether this threat in itself is credible and how the government should then respond to it and again you know I think we have to reinforce that these messages are, are not a way of kind of embarrassing or undermining the national security of the host country but it should be seen as a way of the United States to just communicate potential threats to um, American citizens that might be based in South Africa might be based in Nigeria As we recently saw a security message being issued for abuja um but even for france i mean in recent years there's been um security messages and terrorism warnings that have been issued for for france which is a very very you know kind of strong 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 economic and security partner to the united states but again you know, in this regard, U.S. intelligence, you know, was, was privy to some form of threat uh, impacting, potentially impacting American citizens within the country, and they responded to, to issue an advisory accordingly. Sure. So, um, yeah. yeah, you know, um, that's that's essentially what we, we need to, to take into account.
0: I, I think that that leads us into the next part of our conversation, which is really where I think the bigger problem lies, the security risks that South Africa faces. The fact that these advisories can be issued in the first place, of course, suggest that there may be something else that is happening in our society that we need to be better responding to. We'll continue the conversation of Professor Stremlau and Ryan Cummings after the latest news headlines. We continue the conversation on the talking point. Of course, I'll also just take some of uh, your contributions to this conversation. 86 That's the number you can dial this morning. And on the WhatsApp line, 614 0614- 104107. Professor Stremler, I want to bring you in here because what is most concerning uh, about these threats uh, or this warning, rather, that was made is that subsequent to that, we've had different experts in the security space that have spoken about the fact that South Africa does face a, a big risk when it comes to the presence of individuals who are affiliated, associated with international terror organizations and um, have in many ways set up root or have some form of basis in this country?
1: Well, um, we have had this conversation, and it goes back years, um, as a matter of fact. And uh, I just wanted to add on on, on Ryan's uh, very sensible uh, approach that you don't want to let the terrorists know how much you know, mm-hmm. because there are plenty of bad guys out there who uh, mean uh, ill. So it is it is, a, it is a pragmatic concern. But to come back to the South African situation, remember, uh, gosh, it was years ago, uh, I, I recall a, a, an SAFM radio show that said uh, uh, we don't have a terrorist problem here. We'll just talk people to death, and and uh, that was uh, not given in, in all seriousness. But in fact, there was an effort by the part of uh, on the Cape uh, Flats where it was really a a, a problem uh, back then uh, of of rising um, violence that was rooted in a religious conflict that uh, there would be dialogue and there would be efforts to try to isolate those who were taking extremist views and neutralize them through engagement. And I I must say that I found that quite inspiring. Now, on your question, there are financial aspects to this which getting the state capture report implemented and um, and the various financial institutions in better health so that they can work with their international partners, not only on terrorism, but on illicit financial flows, on on the kind of hiding of money that goes on. Uh, It's a huge problem of which the flow of resources to uh, terrorist groups, particularly with terrorist groups apparently Mm -hmm. operating with uh, increasing threat in Mozambique, there is a need to GET THESE INSTITUTIONS STRONGER THAN THEY WERE DURING THE PERIOD OF THE STATE CAPTURE uh, DISMEMBERMENT OF THEM.
0: Mm. Ryan, Professor Stremlow talks about, you know, uh, illicit flows and, uh, you know, the the, uh, breaking of of foreign exchange controls. Uh, Just listening to him automatically, what comes to mind is uh, the fact that South Africa has now been red flagged uh, in in as far as potentially being downgraded for gray listing. And that, of course, has a lot to do with our lack of uh, controls when it comes to foreign exchange. And when you look at some of the countries that Um, South Africa will be grey-listed alongside. These are countries that themselves have been engaged sometimes in decades on various wars uh, against terror. Where does that leave us as as a country? And again, is it a question of not doing enough? Are we not responding to this challenge in the way we should? Do we not understand the, the nature of the threat here? Hello Ryan.
2: Hi Cathy, can you hear me?
0: Yes, I can hear you now.
2: I'm so I'm so sorry about that. I was just mentioning that um, the issue with the grey listing by the Financial Action Task Force is a very interesting development because it obviously finds that South Africa is is non-compliant in in certain facets relating to um, you know kind of currency exchange and our financial systems and and everything else. And I think, you know, that obviously on the one hand, you know, there are obviously concerns regarding, um, you know, terrorism financing, but then again, you know, there are other kind of issues, you know, as the professor mentioned, there's this issue of state capture. There's, you know, kind of all these, um, you know, little holes um, that South Africa needs to plug, um, you know, in order to kind of ensure that our financial systems are are more resilient, you know, to illicit flows. But what I think it definitely speaks to is that um, for quite a while that South Africa, and, and you know, speaking more to the, the terrorism component of things, is that, that South Africa has been used by transnationalist extremist organizations as a um, kind of a, a financial hub. Um, to potentially finance operations elsewhere in the country. Um, I draw back to, you know, the Westgate attack in Kenya, for example. Um, I remember there was a declassified report that was presented to Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta at the time, and it mentioned how about six or seven Al-Shabaab operatives um, actually financed the Al-Shabaab attack, um, you know, Via South Africa, and and while they were based with, within the country, um, and I think it does raise you know quite significant concerns, um, you know regarding South Africa's uh, you know perception as as a potential logistical and a financial hub for it, this extremist organisations. And what is interesting is that because we might be a financial and logistical hub for extremist organisations. They may not necessarily be motivated to uh, launch an attack in South Africa because, as you know, this might then be the issue which really, really prompts governments to crack down on these groups, crack down on their financing um, networks, on their logistical networks, and thereby constrain their ability to conduct um, acts of extremism in other parts of of, of Africa and, and elsewhere in the world. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a it's a fine balancing act at at this stage, um, and and let's hope that South Africa can get it right.
0: It's, it's such an important perspective that uh, that you've brought on, Ryan, and thanks for bringing in also that uh, that that bit of history in as far as uh, the Westgate attack that we saw in Kenya a couple of years ago, uh, and that link to to South Africa. Malusin, Bulukwani, good morning. Uh, good morning to Yes. Good Yes, morning to your
3: guests. Um, Kathy, uh, it's a citizen of this country, I'll be very much honest with you. Myself, I don't trust South African intelligence. I don't. Um, for an example, I was reading an article talking about the, the one of the grey listings and mentioning that there is a. Africa has been used by terrorist groups to finance their activities around the world. So, and I looked at also how many weapons were confiscated, like from Zamazamas, and they are automotive rifles and all that. So my issue is, how do I trust my country with intelligence if they're not able to protect their citizens from, also Zamazamas and all that, who has got so much weapons that have been used by military and all that? How do I trust that our intelligence will protect us from such groups as uh, Al-Shabaab and all that are operating in Mozambique? you understand? I, I have those simple
0: questions that I always ask myself. i rather trust the United States and France and all that than our country. Oh, okay. All right, Malusi. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for calling in. And, and I suppose that's probably a, a, an issue that the South African government itself would need to uh, respond to. Professor Stremlau, perhaps then to to wrap this conversation up, what happens now? So is it a case of there was this warning, it didn't happen, um, let's move on like nothing ever happened?
1: Something did happen. Uh, There was an exchange that is worth keeping in mind. I thought uh, Ryan's uh, points uh, were very, very well taken uh, just before the break, as you emphasized and uh, the caller, I should say. And uh, the, the caller's faith in, in American intelligence is, is uh, I think, somewhat exaggerated because it does have um, uh, weaknesses, too, and it makes mistakes, too, like the uh, uh, presence of nuclear weapons in in, in Iraq uh, that uh, Kabul and Becky had better intelligence on and, and uh, made that public but didn't seem to discourage the U.S. Uh, uh, administration of W. Bush back then. So um, these things go on. It's important for democracies to talk to one another obviously, uh, but they can't say everything that they know and they can can, can maintain it their their channels uh, uh, as as best they can uh, and insulated. But uh, I do think that uh, what, what, what Ryan is pointing to is a need and what the caller is pointing to is a need for deeper institutions don't forget this uh government of the preceding government the nationalist government had a huge securecratic operation to repress the majority of the population for decades and uh the, the new government took over and tried to be more transparent and more capable but they're very very thinly staffed and then the state capture uh further strained in in, in such serious ways that we're in, in all all need to put our shoulder to the wheel
0: Uh, Ryan, let me wrap it up with you then. Are there ways in which this conversation can be had that, you know, even these threats can be issued without necessarily resulting in what we're seeing, as Professor Stremla was alluding to, which is people really being left to feel like they need to pick a side and they need to choose who they trust more.
3: Absolutely.
2: Well, I think that, you know, first and foremost, that, you know, South Africa should be looking at its security agencies, maybe even looking at, you know, our Ministry of Foreign Affairs, DERCO. Um, you know, to to also have a specific advisory service, um, you know, that can kind of coordinate with foreign agencies. And when intelligence is shared regarding a specific threat, you know, that that information is just not being relayed, you know, by foreign governments, but by the South African government as well. And and this doesn't need to just pertain to terrorism. It can pertain to, you know, the multitude of security threats um, that is currently facing South Africa. And I think that government communication um, specifically on the security front has not been the best of times I even think in response to um, the messages that have been issued by the United States government you know whether there was any communication between um, the two uh, you know the, the two governments at the time I think that South Africa did assume a very defensive um, posture um, and at that time I, I personally felt that that You know, the provision of that stance was, was not what was needed. I think that every South African and specifically those residents are traveling in Santon had serious concerns regarding you know, not necessarily. You know who um, was in their right to to issue this message, but what you know steps were going to be undertaken to ensure that individuals were being kept safe over the period in question. So, um, you know, as the professor mentioned, I definitely think that there has to be greater communication um, between governments, but also greater be communication between the South African government and its citizens, um, because it has a responsibility, as you know, the American government demonstrated the world over. You know to communicate um, threats to the citizens and ensure that they can uh, you know take the necessary um, steps to keep themselves and their family and friends safe
0: all right let me thank you both for coming on to uh, the show today Ryan Cummings security risk e- expert and director at signal risk and professor uh, John Stremlau there it really great having your contributions to that conversation